Clayton tells all. Well, today we have, I'll do a little intro. Today we have Clayton Blaha, head of partnerships at Audius. Um, you know, glad to uh, have met you, Clayton, during the pandemic. I know our first phone call, you started telling me about Audius and it was like pretty much, I don't know, like a different language. Didn't make any sense to me. Um, and I was just really trying to follow. And I'm sure, I'm sure you deal with that a lot, you know, in, in your day to day, but time. Um, yeah, over like the last, you know, since then and, and up to now, I know Payne and I have both gone through our respective Web3, crypto, um, you know, NFT rabbit holes in general. And, um, you know, I've come to, to a much larger understanding of, of what's happening in this space. So, you know, we're excited to have you here to talk about some of that stuff. And, um, you know, we can give a little background on just who you are, if you don't mind doing like a two minute intro, um, and then we can dive on it. Yeah, dude, super happy to be here. Um, and thank you for making time and having me. Um, quick background is uh, I'm a skateboarder from Idaho. I've uh, started working in the music industry as a freelance rap journalist for Thrasher Magazine um, back in 2005. Um, kind of used that to jump into publicity. Um, started working on a bunch of different clients from everybody, you know, working on PR campaigns for everybody from Daft Punk to Freddie Gibbs, to, you know, uh, LP, ASAP Mob, stuff like that. Um, and then also uh, met a guy who was a dubstep producer back in 2010 named Skrillex. And that was before anybody really knew who he was, but um, we kind of linked really early. Um, and he then won eight Grammys and I was fortunate enough to co-found a record label with him and then run his publishing company for a while. Um, then I started my own management company where I um, developed artists that ultimately ended up signing to Interscope um, <clears throat> and uh, Atlantic Records, respectively. Um, and I still manage a singer-songwriter on Atlantic who's a multi-platinum and uh, Grammy-nominated guy named uh, Matt Mason. But through all of that, I kind of became really, really aware of the fact that the music industry is fucked up on a systemic level that like most other multi-billion dollar industries aren't um and it became pretty evident that there's like inefficiencies in the music industry that are exploited to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars at the expense of um of creatives and in many cases black creatives um and i became pretty upset with my in with the fact that i was kind of beholden to this system no matter how many people want to change or want to help uh help people you know as musicians um it, it we're really kind of you know hamstrung by the idea of um this entire industry being essentially uh kind of pushed around and bullied by multi-billion dollar publicly traded companies like spotify um so in 2018 i uh kind of started to step away from the traditional music industry and that's when i 2017 is when i found uh, ethereum kind of started to realize that it was going to be a key that could unlock a lot of the inequities um and like a lot of the like kind of start to dismantle a lot of the power structures and within music um so i was a partner in the first streaming i started consulting and, and working with a lot of like pretty big clients telling them about uh you know decentralization broadly and and how this technology could affect uh their business and, and where this was all going very few people listened, but um, Mark Gillespie at 360, who manages Calvin Harris, um, brought me into the first streaming platform built on Ethereum. It was called Tune. Um, that went pretty well. I mean, we, you know, crossed 50,000 monthly active users. 
but uh, the technology wasn't scalable at that point. Um, there wasn't a huge, you know, uh, lack of talent in terms of um, engineers that were willing to take the risk uh, of like diving in and building products on a completely unproven, you know, uh, new iteration of the internet, um, especially in music, because music tech is notoriously, uh, you know, <laughs> music tech is, is very difficult. Um, so that went away in 2018. Um, and then in 2019, uh, Audius came down to LA, the two founders, and were like, hey, you're probably the only person that kind of gets this and, and has the you know, appetite for risk that is necessary uh, for us to kind of start building this. And we launched it in September of 2019. Um, and uh, that was a public launch. And as of like a couple of weeks ago, we, you know, we crossed six and a half million monthly active users, which makes us the fastest growing music streaming platform in the world. Um, and definitely the largest consumer decentralized application uh, on earth as well. And so you've been there, you've been with Audi since the public launch. Yeah, since before the public launch, um, I started in like July of 2019, and then we launched in September. Yeah, amazing. Oh, uh, that's incredible. Um, in your, when you first found Ethereum, how long did it take you, or was that just like an initial, an initial feeling or instinct of like, yo, this is more than just like a, um, um a program where I could like invest in and like it, it could be something more than just like me just putting money in it. When did it become like, yo, this is actually something that like, I think can really change the world and definitely change music. Like how long did it take you to make that shift? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think I'm pretty unique in this because like, I think most people I know that got into Ethereum early got in because it was like a vast improvement on Bitcoin in terms of, uh, you know, yeah. transaction timing and things like that. Like, so like the idea of like cryptocurrency as a speculative asset, like I had heard about Bitcoin. I had never even heard about Ethereum until some people approached me um, about a ticketing company. Um, Cause I had been an advisor of uh, a, a couple tech startups or primarily one that ended up uh, exiting to, Eventbrite more recently, but it was called Tone Den. It was, um, I had been on since, you know, there was two founders there. I was very early for that. And they grew to about 50 employees. Um, and I was just an advisor for them and I was pretty public about it. It was on my LinkedIn or whatever. Um, so a, a few, a mutual friend introduced me to a guy who, who was doing um, a ticketing company um, that was built on Ethereum. And I had no idea what Ethereum was, but he explained to me what smart contracts were and how you could monetize its secondary and tertiary market and how um you know split payments could happen uh, on chain and everything was transparent and uh, actionable like uh, instantly or fairly instantly as compared to like you know uh, credit card transactions and all these other kinds of things and that was when i was like holy shit like this is crazy like this is like for example like i had been working in publishing um and splits are just a nightmare like like first of all they're agreed upon uh you know, half of it, most of the time it's handshake until it makes it to the lawyers. And then eventually you, you, there's sometimes a litigious, uh, period. And sometimes it's just very easy, but essentially like the metadata is what, you know, ultimately the metadata that's taken in by distributors and is reported back to collections, uh, rights collections agencies, like RAAA or I mean, excuse me, like, uh, ASCAP and BMI, like all of that is essentially like, like 
file cabinets and fucking yeah, staple paperwork. It, like it makes no, yeah, yeah, sure. none of it makes any fucking sense. And it's, I was like, this could disintermediate and like solve such massive issues in rights management stuff. Um, and so I started kind of looking into that more. And then I had realized that a lot of other people had had that same realization, many of whom didn't actually even work in the music industry in the same capacity that I did. Uh, D.A. Wallach, um, probably one of the earliest thinkers about how rights management could happen on chain, um, wrote, a, uh, wrote a, a piece, I don't know where it was published. Um, it might've just been a blog post called uh, Bitcoin for Rockstars and that was in 2015. Um, and he kind of pursued that. He was in a, a group called Chester French that was uh, assigned to Pharrell. He's also a Harvard grad and like just one of the smartest people in music. He was too smart for the music industry essentially. Um, and that's why he probably doesn't work in it. Probably why he doesn't work in it anymore. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he wrote a, a paper called Bitcoin for Rockstars where he like basically pontificates on all of this kind of thing and proposes that this could be, you know, if there is some sort of global rights, uh, um, you know, uh, consensus on like who owned what and how it would be taken, you know, how it would be essentially uh, attributed on a blockchain, how this could, you know, solve major issues. And uh, it just never worked out because you can't get, it's basically the music industry is so, uh, is so completely um, like, it, it, there's so many different aspects of it in so many different countries um, it, that like getting any sort of like total consensus among many, many hundreds of thousands of if not millions of rights holders was basically proven to be impossible. Because um, so like, sorry, you're saying because like, the way that the music business and the administration of like royalties, streaming, publishing is all different, has different set of laws in different countries, different agencies. Yeah. yeah. It's totally fragmented. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's impossible to get two songwriters who work on a song to fucking agree on anything, let alone, you know, their publishing companies who don't even speak the same language. Yeah. Um, so this kind of thing didn't work out. But to get back to uh, Payne's point, um, I hadn't even thought about investing in Ethereum at that point. Like I was just like, oh, this cell, <clears throat> this is going to change the music industry. And I had worked, you know, I like I was a beta tester for Napster when I was 14 or 15. Um, I had, you know, I had been for whatever reason, I, I was fortunate enough to like be exposed very early to the earliest like like applications of music to personal computing and technology, like from Fruity Loops beta to like uh, you know, Kazaa, Soulseek, fucking LimeWire, everything that, that came down, like all so the- you've always been passionate about like technology and music. It was the only way I really understood the mu music. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. like, I, I didn't really, like I had owned every instrument growing up, like keyboards, fucking drum set, bass, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, classical guitar, trumpet, um, and nothing made sense until I got Fruity Loops. And then I was like, oh, I get this. I, I understand how to do this. Um, and then that's how I started making music. And then I started like, you know, needing stuff to sample. And I was like, okay, well, where am I going to find like a jazz record? I'll get it on my computer. I'll just go, you know, figure out someplace on the internet to find it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had only ever really known about, uh, understood the music industry through a digital lens. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, Ethereum just made sense. But then uh, it occurred to me that there was like a lot of people that were really, interested in speculating about the price of ethereum right. and tokens on top of it um but i was super yeah. late to that and i yeah. frankly it doesn't it doesn't interest me as much i mean I, I definitely do trade um i think many people do but like 
for me, and I, I think this is evident in the way that Audius has manifested itself in the industry and in both industries in the music industry, as well as like web three, it's like, you don't really, we're not really thinking about five to six month horizons so much as we are like 10 to 15 to 20 years. Like we're, I, I really do think what we're doing and the technology that's been built by a fucking world-class team and just the vision that we all have for how deeply this can impact people, individuals, as well as systems is like, it's a very, very long road. So we kind of have our blinders on in reference to a lot of what happens, you know, in the month to month and day to day, uh, which, you know, is like less exciting for some people than, you know, uh, a lot of things that happen in crypto, but ultimately I think it's going to be a lot more, um, not only lucrative, um, but like impactful for, for everybody that's a part of the community. Yeah. Your story is definitely different than, than mine for sure. Because, <laughs> because I first started with looking at it a financial lens and then eventually I got to a place where I turned into a geek and a nerd and was like, yo, yeah. now this can really change the world. You know, this is like, then I started like really like being in a space with a purpose and with intent and then started making me happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can go, you can go super. This is a live work. Yeah. And, and like the thing, the cool thing about music is that like technology tends to uh, affect the way people consume music or create music way before it does in other types of media let alone other kinds of industries i mean like like i, I think you know obviously crypto uh, has been most uh has been early the earliest you know industry that it began to disrupt was finance um but beyond that like in terms of media applications music is first it's going to be first um for so many reasons um but that's what's exciting is that like like you no matter what lens you understand it through whether like you're a hedge fund guy that all of a sudden finds out that bitcoin you know, uh, is probably the hardest money that's ever been created. Like if you're, you know, if you're an economist, like, and you're looking at Bitcoin, you're like, oh, this is actually uh, the, one of the greatest human achievements in terms of like, uh, you know, in terms of like hard currency, like it, 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 it checks up more boxes than gold essentially. Um, and that, that's a true innovation. But then also like, if you, like the broader idea of decentralization can really be applied and manifested in, in just about any other system in which humans are interacting. Whether that like like value exchange, monetary interaction is pretty much the most direct and easiest to understand. And uh, you know, like I give you money, you give me good or service. But you know, with music, uh, for example, that good or service is like the tingling feeling you get in your stomach when the 808 hits or something like that. And the idea that like this technology can make more efficient the exchange of uh you know vibrations from a speaker um to uh the feeling that one gets in their stomach and the uh ability to fund the person that's creating that vibration in the speaker like if you want to get really abstract with it like it does create efficiencies in all of these different ways that we interact with each other um that could be in healthcare legal uh you know fucking biotech probably um a lot of different things sure. yeah real estate um but it's not always going to be necessarily on the blockchain or there's not necessarily going to be a token associated with it so much as like the idea that you know sovereign entities should interact among each other instead of through centralized systems through which uh, we are forced to you know commit all of our data and time and attention 
can you take us okay so can you give like a little bit of an, some insight into what like decentralized music is like i'm thinking about an audience that doesn't know that hasn't really dove into this space but like follows the music business which is like mm -hmm. mostly what we've been covering so can you kind of talk about like in your own words like what is decentralized music right so the uh, I, I mean I, th I think it's a journey and not a destination really um as is like journey like decentralization is a as a process at this point and it's been happening um since like the advent of like um you know uh you could say with music like the ability like for at, at certain points like there was only the only people that can enjoy music were members of the aristocracy right they're the only people that could hire uh mm. yeah obviously if you were a musician you could pay music for yourself but like musicians could uh you know would would be performed there weren't like pub necessarily tons of public performances of like large scale like there are now like kings and queens and fucking you know members of the royal family whatever would pay to enjoy music and those people would perform for them um you could say that that it started as like people being being able to uh you know play music for themselves or for other or for like you know their community and things like that or mm -hmm. i don't know you could take it way far back but in, in essentially like like many people say decentralization broadly like as a socio sociological movement uh, started at the advent of the printing press when all of a sudden <clears throat> people of lesser means could take an idea put it on paperwork and disseminate that idea everywhere mm -hmm. right so with recorded music that was probably uh, a similarly like you know whenever that happened that was the first time like other people could enjoy music that weren't having to pay professional musicians so it could start back there but now essentially like music has begun to decentralize uh beyond that in terms of like like when the personal computer hit you know pcs were in every every uh home and then all of a sudden there was software on those pcs that could create music so it just lowered the barrier of entry for anybody that like myself that wanted to make music i didn't have time or the attention span or the financial resources to pay for lessons for all of these different musical instruments that i grew up with but all of a sudden I'm, and on my computer in my bedroom i had access to the tools that used to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for professional studio musicians and so what happened was that the, that potential met with the potential of distribution, which was the MP3, um, the MP3. And like, there's a book about this called uh, How Music Got Free. Free is a very good um, or very like powerful analogy uh, or synonym for decentralized in many cases. Um, but essentially like uh, the CD, the centralized <laughs> recording interest industry would take music from a small group of people um, recorded in a small amount of studios in New York or Los Angeles, and then create uh, CDs that were in several factories all over uh, the country that were then distributed globally. Um, but everything had to go through these factories where these CDs were created. And one guy basically realized that he could take those CDs. He was a factory worker and then uh, basically rip them and then distribute them through the internet um, and that's how like piracy basically found its way into mm. the uh, the music distribution pipeline and they've been trying to solve that issue ever since instead of embracing it but essentially i guess like the mp3 was what started to decentralize music distribution like it became very easy to push a song anywhere and everywhere within the click of a button um and uh that 
was also reflecting the fact that like anybody could create basically you could create music on the computer that you then distributed it to the entire world and that was when music really became totally decentralized but the monetization and the the channels for um essentially uh remunerating those creators never really caught up to that because they the music industry spent the last 15 years or prior to spotify had spent the next the 15 years 20 years trying to make sure that didn't happen and that was basically impossible um and that historically if you look at technology there's institutions that fight it and there's institutions that embrace it the ones that fight it almost always lose you basically can never put the genie back in the bottle um and so uh what's exciting is that now we're seeing that that's where cryptocurrency comes in that's where decentralized networks of value exchange come in is that now it's not that like that Audius or anybody else is making it easier to create or distribute music. It's always been that easy. The goal here is to make it so that anybody can create music and anybody can be paid for it and anybody can pay anyone else for the music that they create, which isn't the case now because though we are closer to a decentralized, like the current paradigm outside of Audius is very much closer to decentralized. Like, sure, you can upload a CD baby, anybody can do that, and then it can be on Spotify. But at the end of the day, you still have to go through Spotify. Audius creates a tool chain where you don't have to go through Audius necessarily. Audius is not a thing. We're not a company. We don't make money. We are a set of tools that allows any person to completely vertically integrate a distribution stack for their music and their content, which is exciting because we all know that artists right now are their own, you know, they're their own promotional companies with their social media, they're their own graphic designers in many cases. They're their own music video directors when they create their own TikTok. They create their own music, but you push it through these other channels that then sell advertisements against it and that's how instagram makes money that's how tiktok makes money that's how your data is totally mined we're all manipulated this is how donald trump became president is because we you know we use these platforms and they're used against us the idea of decentralization is that you become the platform yourself and audience is the tools that, that allows musicians to do that and to totally create the music within their own box distribute it through their own channel without any intermediaries that are not only selling your data but taking a cut because Audius, again, doesn't take the cut of any of the money. So How? it's just a natural evolution from, oh, sorry, but Audius is just another a, a natural and inevitable evolution in what has been happening for you know 15 to 20 years. But the goal with Audius is to actually pay people substantially more than they're being paid now because of so many predators in the distribution pipeline that currently right. still exist. Right, no, and that's an incredible historical background. So... I really appreciate that. I think, um, how would you tell an artist like, you know, hey, put your music on Audius and here's why long-term it's got more value for you. Right. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that like, like that's the thing. I think if people expect me to be like, Audius is the shit. I mean, I do think that. But like, I think that people are like, like I, I get on a lot of calls where people expect me to be like, you should only put your music on Audius and here's why. Like I'm a manager and I've worked in the music industry for a long time. And I don't believe that we're at the state yet where Audius is the only place you should be distributing your music yet. But I do think that, you know, things happen gradually um, and change happens slower in the music industry than elsewhere. I think it's happening faster now, especially for Audius than, than things have in the past. Um, but like the idea is that if you really look at the Spotify's growth and you look at the way that, the music industry is now finally making money it doesn't necessarily seem sustainable to me and this is the issue is that like like there's only so much attention that can be paid to, to so many artists and there's 
hundreds of thousands of songs uploaded to SoundCloud or Spotify per day. And frankly, it doesn't, it, it's essentially created like a huge wealth gap in terms of streams. And that's mm-hmm. fine if you can jump to the po- top of that pile. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is like, I think we're, you know, and this is the American dream that sold to many people uh, across all kinds of ideologies, but like, yeah, you're probably not going to be Drake. Like, like, no matter how good your music I'm sorry. is, yeah, like, like, no matter how good your music is, you're almost like the odds are not in your favor in terms of you being Drake or Taylor Swift. And hence, the odds are not in your favor of you making any money from streaming music ever, like in the current, under the current paradigm. And frankly, audiences, like, so first of all, there needs to be like a real, like hard reset in terms of our expectations. And like, again, I think the, the ways that we uh voice attention like voice attention onto the idea of celebrity in general i think social media and the attention economy has a lot to do with that and i think that's another big correction that's kind of underway but as such like like there will be a middle class of people who are just creating across multiple channels and i think that acceptance of that i think again like there there has to be like a lot of like social acceptance around the idea of not being a fucking celebrity and that's the issue is that like everybody thinks they want to be a fucking celebrity I think we're going to understand very quickly that that's not sustainable. It's not even fucking real. Um, and there, there's nothing wrong with being a middle-class musician that's paying your bills by creating music that people want to hear and that will people will pay to see live and people will pay to listen to. Like, and so I think we are getting into kind of a more of a normalized idea around that as, you know, uh, the, just the house of cards that is social media celebrities beginning to fall in a very real way. Like influencers don't, make money selling tummy tea anymore or whatever like they, you know like like it's all kind of going away actually today uh instagram uh introduced subscription um yeah, which i think that. is super fucking great i think it's this one of the smartest <laughs> things they could ever do what, what's going on with that so they're basically saying like yo you don't actually have to sell fucking bullshit like you don't need maybe maybe your content is good enough you know like let's find out if your fans think your content is good enough because I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of people will pay to see Emily Ratajkowski's abs. Yeah. Um, I think OnlyFans is a great example of this. Like mm-hmm. OnlyFans, like oh, I think OnlyFans is one of the most admirable and smartest and most beleaguered tech companies in the entire world. They have had every fucking everything stacked against them, and they've still become um, like uh, I think like a billion dollar like here unicorn. Yeah. And they're not even in the fucking app store. Like, that's crazy. They're a browser-based fucking media content company that, like, isn't even on mobile because Apple won't let them, which is another thing. Um, but anyway, so this sorry, I get tangential. But, yeah, essentially, like, I, I think Audius is going to be uh, ahead of everybody in terms of being able to create a middle class uh, and a community that you can get off zero where you can, where we really want to solve the cold start problem for people by, you know, having communic- means of communication, means of community building, and means of monetization around those kinds of things that allow uh, people to get from, you know, zero followers to, you know, being able to spend, to make $300 a month on their, you know, their streams. Yeah. Maybe it's not per stream basis. It probably won't be, but there will be, you know, different ways to interact with people on Audius that eventually, you know, uh, help ladder your way up to a more sustainable revenue stream. Do I think Audius will needs to be the only revenue stream for major musicians or for like middle class musicians? No, you'll always have to go play shows. That's you know, you should always have to play shows, but shows shouldn't like streaming shouldn't be the loss leader for you 
in terms of like what you're creating, it should be like the core focus. It's, you know, it's an art, it's an, uh, it's an art form that predates the spoken word in many cases, like in many people would like music has been around for longer than, you know, the written word for sure. Um, so like, I don't, I don't buy that. Like that should be like the thing that's free. I don't believe that at all. Um, I just think that the tools haven't necessarily been introduced until what we're doing. Um, to be able to kind of monetize that. With our technology, you would think like by now, they'd have it together, just how to get people paid on time without mm -hmm. jumping through hoops. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously the tech, well, my hair is doing things today. Um, <laughs> uh, the technology exists, it's very evident. It's just the issue is that like, it, there's been hand-holding and ring-kissing going as, as this entire thing has been built. like. Daniel Ike is a pirate. Like Daniel Ike was one of the, you know, he created like, I don't know if it was what.cd or whatever the other one was. He's basically a pirate, like among the creators of like Pirate Bay, that era. Oh, yeah. um, and basically he was like, oh, I think the only thing that I'm doing wrong here is it's hard for people to play the music. There's a lag. You know, he's like has an entire world's catalog of music and there's a lag. So like his big innovation was like making it so when you hit play, the music starts. Like that's an insane <laughs> That's insane. And then uh, he was like, oh, should I run on the rights to any of this? So like, uh, I have to like, you know, work with the majors to, I have to build up enough distribution to then work with the majors that they want to work with me. It's just how the music industry has always dealt with digital platforms. Um, but like in doing so, they were like, hey, we're going to sue you into oblivion uh, if you don't, you know, keep ASCAP and BMI alive. And also sign these non like these non competes. Um, I don't have a lot of detail on this, but there's absolutely a fucking legal reason why Spotify doesn't sign artists. Like, there's no reason they have they own the distribution channels. Like, they get pretty close to it too. Yeah, exactly. I think that that <laughs> basically what they were, were going to see was a massive, massive lawsuit on behalf of the majors for not doing that or something. I don't know. Um, but essentially, like they they created this thing, and then like uh, now they're now they're working with the majors. And I think that in many cases, like, it's not even fair to the people that, you know, the major labels that invest so much time, energy and resources into developing artists that then just sit at the bottom of one playlist and never get heard. And there's really no alternative for them. Like, they just have to, like, suck it up. I think as a consumer, too, like, I've gotten unbelievably um, tired of, you know, my Spotify playlist or like Spotify or, you know, major um streaming services basically because i just like i'm hearing the same music you know it's like becoming yeah. like a problem like that's why you have to go like just back to like nts radio or something where you're just like all right cool i'm listening to just something different or just exploring other channels from like a mm -hmm. consumer perspective you know what like and I'm, I'm asking these questions because i know like the idea of like tokenomics and of like using platforms or decentralization within crypto is like is very much about benefiting the whole community. So mm -hmm. from like a consumer perspective, what is what is the benefit to um, audience? Obviously, if artists start adapting it in mass quantities and it starts to actually become the middle class, you're going to follow the artists, you're going to follow the creators. Um, but is there like a benefit outside of that to consumers? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like new, like, like you mentioned, discovery. Um, and I think human discovery is the the key there like we don't want i mean there's obviously a certain amount of, a certain amount of like algorithmic 
recommendation for radio and for like you know if you let one song play it'll play something after that but like the idea of like playlisting like spotify fucking clearly hates uh like user-centric playlisting right like it's Mm -hmm. it's it could be front and center of their product, but like instead it's like this afterthought because they can't control it. And frankly, I think that and it's highly likely they'll probably just kind of eventually put it in the closet and not have it be a thing at all. What, you just not have playlists? You don't think? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I don't, I like, there's almost no social features on Spotify. Like, and that's not because, I mean, these are the smartest people in the entire fucking world. Like, some publicly traded company, you know, if they wanted, if they thought that, that social, that, that more social features would benefit their bottom line, they would introduce it, but it's not the case. And that's where Audius comes in and as a totally, like completely differentiated alternative because again, we don't make money. What's mm-hmm. the only ways that, that uh, Audius, the community succeeds is if people are enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, monetized curation on Audius <clears throat> like being able to, like and this is something that's probably far in the future but the idea of being able to create a marketplace around curation where people are getting paid to add songs to playlists and people are getting uh people have the ability to either listen to that playlist or not listen to that playlist because of whether they like it or not um and then artists have the ability to you know uh cut in curators because they have a promotional channel um it, it, that idea has always existed in music. It's called payola and it's been totally under the table and it's downright illegal in radio. Um, but that's only because there's never been a layer of transparency that's in a marketplace around it. That's been ad or like, you know, um, that's been essentially, uh, like facilitated and, and encouraged, um, and, you know, regulated by the same way that all marketplaces are regulated. Um, so I think that the idea of like human curation is very exciting because again, like, I, like, I think, and this is something I brought up and I would love to be corrected on this. Um, definitely people have strong feelings about it in New York, but in LA, like, I don't think there was a song of the, there was no like BLM song. Like when we were all marching, there was no like that moment where there was this one song. Right. And I don't know if that has to do with like just general, like lack of consensus around what's good in terms of music in New York, it was definitely Dior, um, but that wasn't. That's not a political song, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know if we get an NWA in in 2022, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, like, I don't know, like it doesn't sit with everybody, and hence it maybe doesn't find anyone. I'm saying um, like, and, because music's become a little bit more passive. Yeah, it's... exactly, mm-hmm. and that, and also there's no community around it. Like, like uh, you know white people in the midwest might not be wanting to listen to a protest song um uh but like everybody that was you know there's hundreds of thousands of people in the streets in la and Mm. there was you know a community there there was a a shared set of ideals a shared set of values and there was no soundtrack and i think it's that's interesting because it's like i don't know it seems like there is no means of really coalescing around one idea musically because everything is so disparate and everything is just so spread apart and I think that benefits the platforms. I don't necessarily think that benefits listeners. And even if it does benefit listeners, like it doesn't benefit society at large, right? Like there's no social conversation around music anymore at all. There's yeah. no like, there's no activist music that's at you, least coming to coming to like the the top of it. You think some 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 of that has to do with like DJs traditionally or people you know are are 
pushing records like respected DJs have respected voices and now we have DJs kind of behind the curtains you know we have like groups of people telling us hey like like if you know what it's like managing an artist we manage an artist that's in this lane you're fighting really hard to get seen on like these types of playlists within major dsps like i need those types of looks and then i need to perform well to move up right and the people that are controlling that it's like it's like a couple people you know um globally (laughs) globally and might have great taste like i'm not i'm not knocking these people and what they do in their taste but i'm saying like that's too narrow we're all too narrow when it comes to just choosing something that fits just in this lane right um yeah yeah and there's no way that those people can divorce themselves and their their backgrounds and their experiences from the way they do their jobs and that's fine like that's Mm -hmm. they shouldn't have to but also they shouldn't be empowered to like literally like kind of puppet master the social discourse which is what music can do it's literally like 10 people that like control what is what is Mm -hmm. the vast majority of music that's heard on earth now and that's fucking crazy (laughs) like that's really crazy and and that's that is centralized music right and i think those people all are very well-intentioned people i don't think those people are like you know like i'm gonna sink the i'm gonna sink the ship that is you know uh global society like i don't think that's what the intention here is but inevitably like it can't those 10 people those 20 people whether it's 300 people can't represent the values the ideas the experiences the stories of everybody on earth that should be consumed that should be listening to music and benefiting from it and that's what's kind of crazy right it's like that goes back to like what we were talking about earlier like i don't think there need to be billionaires in the world just generally in terms of personal wealth i also don't think there need to be artists with billions of streams think about mm-hmm. that there's only how many billions there's like eight billion people on earth or something like that mm-hmm. and there's like drake has like like multiple songs with over a billion streams like that's fucking crazy yeah. <laughs> like none that doesn't make any sense um the like these these global like pillars of attention there's no way that that can be healthy um and so like i like i i think decentralization is manifested there by like just a like large scale democratization of like the people that we're paying attention to the stories that we're listening to and the ideas behind them, many of which will not be comfortable or happy to hear for a lot of people. And that's why we're going to have to get used to turning those people off, not necessarily canceling them and removing them from the world at large, but just being like, cool, I don't fuck with your music or your ideas. Like I'm not going to listen to you instead of the algorithms right now that currently exist that ele- put those people to the top and make the same like, they're representative of like a huge social you know like most people aren't anti-vaxxers granted there's a third of the people in america that aren't vaccinated but like a lot of people aren't like you know like maybe that's a bad example maybe we can take that out but like i I don't (laughs) i i don't think like the vast majority of people in america are like hateful racist people yet this by uh you know, like if you were paying attention to social media, if you're paying attention to traditional media, like you would be led to believe like it's us versus them. Like in, in terms of like, you know, in terms of like one-to-one, there's like the the woke versus the racist. Like, I don't actually think that's the case. Yeah. I think that's, I think that serves the, the power structures, but like, like it would be great. Like that's, I moved to Mexico, so I didn't have to fucking look at Twitter, the same Twitter. Like it's, it, like it throws it in our faces like you should be able to listen to the kind of music that you want subscribe to the ideas that you want 
um, and have those have that be enough and have that like you know have your community have a, a social dialogue um, and I think that will elucidate a lot more positive conversations than it will negative ones um, again it's just like it's it's weird that like we're in two silos all of the time um, and I think that that is reflected in music by being like there's the Drake silo the Taylor Swift silo the Marshmallow silo and there's nothing else you get there's no other ideas musically because I do right. think like you was talking about the social like how people care so much um, about celebrity and social media, but I do think if it was easier for a lot of the artists um, who just love, who just love music and, and love to do it and have um, a community of people who really buy into them and like have their merch, if it was easier for them to be compensated correctly, and they wouldn't try so hard to be a celebrity and try so hard to like go on TikTok and do a dance and like make a hit record. And it's like, exactly because the hit record is really dictated by <laughs> these, yeah, these, it, these institutions and people who, who don't even know how to make music. Uh, you're trying to get yeah, exactly. like, if we can get those. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've, I've written about this and I think it's, I think it's something that like, we don't, we don't necessarily talk about in music so much as like other people talk about in other media verticals but it's so true it's like like dude social media is a fucking disease and the people that it preys like preys on the most are people that don't have alternatives in terms of like the ways that they elevate themselves out of the situation that they're in like it used to be rap music but now it's face tattoos now it's taking it's like doing xanax xanax on fucking tiktok or you know this is like i'm 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 washed like i'm talking about like the 2017 to 2020 like era of rap music like it was really sad how like there's almost zero generational banger songs that came out of that. There's a lot of fucking casualties. Um, there's a lot of people that were preyed on um, by major labels because they had the attention. Just the music was just like a byproduct of it, right? It was like it was like how do we how do we monetize the fact that this kid has like seven million Instagram followers because he does wild shit and his face looks crazy because there's no one telling this person that like how to be a constructive member of society. And so, like, how do we, you know, squeeze every penny out of this person instead of, like, maybe providing them the tools to, like, like the, the idea that Boonk could go viral once and then make enough money from that, like, Instagram subscription, right? Like, I don't remember if yeah. anybody remembers Boonk, but, like, say yeah, he was on Instagram subscription. Yeah, and he ran it for, like, three months, right? And did that crazy um, shit that he was doing yeah. and made enough money to, dare I say, buy Bitcoin back then would have been, he'd be pretty doing pretty well right now but also like go to school or something like that like if there's people that were pushing if there was like if there was like incentives or people in his life or like even just means of doing it but like you're like yo now you did that like you could actually do something productive with your life instead of like going down this attention like dark spiral yeah super dark spiral and like when i see the instagram subscription stuff just being somebody who's you know, like been paying attention, like very minorly to crypto space since 2017, but really since like most other people since the pandemic, when I've just been sitting at home, diving in and and going down the wormhole, like, I see the Instagram stuff, and you see like the Twitter profile picture verification, right? But we see the Instagram subscription stuff. And I think like there so much of this has to be driven by the fear of what, and obviously Instagram's owned by Facebook, Facebook or Meta, right? Point being right. that it's Meta. 
how much of this is being driven by the fact to like, yo, we have to keep up with this new direction things are going, right? Like, it's like you said, the genie's out the bottle, the same way, like, audience is inevitable, right? When you really think about it, the same thing of like, Instagram being like, they didn't want to pay create the average creators that were driving all this value. Like they have, they, they, they feel that they have to, right? And of course, it's going to be a positive thing. And you know, okay, people are gonna start to make money, hopefully. But it's being driven by the idea that people are going to, like you said, be able to become their own platform. And yeah. that being drive their own revenue in directly, right? And that's yeah. like a very much a thing I think we see in Web3 or, you know, in this like modern sense of decentralization. Yeah. And I, I think that that's like, like, this, these are all, yeah. yeah. And th- th- it's all, again, like, I, I think we have to think of it as an inevitability because like, what I don't think OnlyFans was created by people that are like deep Bitcoiner fucking hmm. burning man ketamine addict decentralist decentralization you know decentralist like these aren't the people that are like you know postulating on like what a borderless society looks like um hmm. but like they actually took a more actionable step towards that than yeah. facebook than many other people have because hmm. they created a disintermediated pipe media pipeline from you know if you want to you can deride the creators on only fans as much as you like like I think that it's one of the most important technological innovations of, agreed. Like, of, of my lifetime only because of what it doesn't do. And what it doesn't do is involve anybody except for the creator and the fan. And, yeah. it, and the platform I mean, takes a small fee. It is what it yeah. is. But like, yeah. you know, when you think of like most, like when you think of like, all right, let's just take Howard Stern, right? Like this is mm-hmm. always my model. He started interviewing a certain type of creator right and super controversial oh adult film stars you know porn stars and of course like the comedy aspect right brought all this in but like only fans opened up this model just because it had a certain type of creator which i completely respect like i have nothing Mm. against the type of creators that are on there mainly adult film stars or you know whatever you know sex workers whatever it is that model will evolve into every type of creator right? Like, it just starts with the people that are like, this is the way for me to get paid. And that's what I have to do. Right. And there is no other way to get paid really for the type of creator. I I mean, the first video, the first video, like the first video that was on the internet was porn. Like it's, it it always actually is porn music and cat really drive innovation. And if you look at crypto, (laughs) if you look at crypto, the, in 2018, the first big waves were, uh, it was called um, Spank Chain, which is essentially like a trying to be Pornhub on chain, um, had great traction, uh, Crypto Kitties, and then um, a lot of music startups like Ujo, um, Tune, Emanate, all those came out of that, that first wave. And then obviously DeFi was, you know, that I don't think anybody saw that happening to the level that it did, but like, you know, Bitcoin, I mean, crypto was essentially meant to disrupt uh in this first wave meant to disrupt finance it was designed to do so but then in the second wave like you have porn music and cats and that's exactly what happened with broadband when broadband happened like first videos on the internet like really were porn and the first memes the first like viral like uh most shared content was cats and the first thing the first media that was like shared at that scale was music um so it's not that crazy that we're seeing it happen again now but like it's just a much I guess like that's why like when people are like oh web3 i'm like web3 is not what gonna do what 
like web3 might do what mobile did right. but decentralization is going to do what the fucking internet did yeah like mm-hmm. it, it i think it's i think yeah. you know i think that not to say that mobile wasn't one of the greatest the biggest most profound innovations of my lifetime but there's only one thing that really predates it that is as impactful and is like paradigm shifting and world changing. And that was like the actual advent of the internet. And I do think that's where, yeah. I think that's where decentral, I think web three undersells it. I think decentralization is like a huge fucking social movement that like basically completely obliterates every construct we've ever had in terms of the ways that we interact with institutions and the way we interact with each other. Um, I don't think that can be undersold. And I just think people aren't looking at, I think people aren't zooming out far enough in a lot of ways in reference to when they're saying Web3. And I I, I really yeah. do think OnlyFans is like one of the first and most profound uh, like movers in the space. Do you think that, do you think the, that the pandemic is what kind of sped up the mainstream of like, like crypto being in the mainstream and just people being more passionate about the space and people being like just looking at an alternative for yeah. life period. Do you think that sit down made everybody like, you know? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think, it, I, th- I think it's a combination of a lot of things, a lot of which are unfortunate. Um, for so like, like Bitcoin came out of, the financial the financial crisis that cost my mom the the home I grew up in like uh, basically like Bitcoin came out of a massive a pervasive but also like the final straw and like the lack of trust of institution and institutions that are supposed to protect us which is the you know global banking system like banks are supposed to protect your wealth and they literally robbed hundreds of thousands if not millions of people of you know the thing that the underpinnings of generational um, like wealth and, and and security and safety from that uh the, you know that being a pervasive theme of all of crypto and things i see i think that the pandemic was another basically a huge indicator that like the institutions that we place all of our trust in are fundamentally incapable of protecting us like if anybody thinks about the pandemic as like an individual level like we're in this pandemic because certain people didn't get vaccinated or certain people didn't wear their masks like sure that's true to a certain extent um, I say this as somebody who's vaxxed and boosted, like I'm not, I don't want anybody to get that fucked up, but like, we cannot absolve these fucking massive, like the people that are supposed to protect us did not because they cannot coordinate on a massive level. Like I'm like all of the, like if, if, if the right hand was talking to the left hand in fucking February of 2020, we wouldn't be in this fucking mess, but it just didn't happen. Um, so that said, like, I think that like going into the pandemic where a lot of people were like, okay, fuck these people. Like, they actually don't care about us. They don't know what the fuck is going on. Is it possible that as much, that, that uh, you know, um, they, you know, is it, is it possible that I might know, know more about my financial future than the people that I've entrusted with, which are, the, you know, the stock market um, and major banks and the financial advisors and all these people. You're seeing that in millennials right now. Like most, I think it's most millennials now would rather invest on behalf of themselves. And this is, you know, Robinhood may be the only fans of, of finance in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's creating a direct yeah, relationship yeah. between people's financial futures and, and um, their, you know, current financial situation facilitating that. Um, so I think Robinhood had a lot to do with it. And I don't, and I also think that 
in terms of the proliferation and the expand, like the the huge amount of attention that's being paid to crypto right now, the Fed's fucking printing trillions of dollars. Like like everything is a bubble right now. If you're into watches and you look at the charts for watches, they're they're fucking full on hockey stick, just like every other market. Real mm-hmm. estate's out of the fucking out of the park. Um, places like L.A., Boise, where I'm from, the the most uh, mm-hmm. fastest growing and um, most i think most violently like supercharged real estate bubble in the country um so you know and crypto has a very very low barrier to entry higher than some things but also like there's just a lot of it's it's there's a lot of white space it's like a lot there's a lot of opportunity there and there's a lot of things that um you know there's a lot of like people i have friends who made millions on a fucking token called come rocket like that yeah. that wouldn't have <laughs> we were like tipped that. off to that pain don't forget we were tipped yeah. off i mean <laughs> i don't want to talk about the fact that i owned shib back in like january of last year i'd be you know worth hundreds of millions um Not but that, this call. What yeah. <laughs> so that said like like that's you know something. and like the, that's the thing is like meme coins like I, th- I think that like i was talking about this about somebody who like had a very strong opinion about meme coins and I'm like, dude, like, like all traditional finance does, all hedge funds do is analyze like macroeconomic trends, yeah. right? And like the entire world is trending towards fucking absurdity. Like, look mm. at the fucking Tiger King. Like, all we all we have to believe in right now <laughs> is the fucking is like memes, is laws. Like, like yeah. three hundred thousand fucking hundreds of thousands of people died from a fucking preventable illness like in america in like what is not ridiculous about the situation that we're in and why shouldn't my friends make billions of dollars on something called come rocket like yeah. everything is fucking ridiculous now i mean donald trump look at donald we oh, i i think i've effectively like blocked that period out of my memory that guy was a fucking meme like everything yeah. about our world became turned on its head since 2016 yeah, and so fucking ridiculous of like yeah. The status of how everybody feels they've been around forever too i mean you know yeah like so why not why yeah. not like have that reflected in our financial like our finance our the world of finance and i think that like i think come rocket is a fucking middle finger to anybody <laughs> who thinks that the fine like the, tr- the world of traditional finance isn't fucking completely manipulated it's just it's that, like, that it could be done you know what yeah I'm exactly it's like and, and same with and, and, yeah and same with amc and fucking and yep. gamestop right like that i don't think that people i mean maybe they do or maybe they don't that was one of the most important financial occurrences of our lifetimes is yep. when a bunch of fucking people on reddit were like no actually fuck you <laughs> like we're going to throw the entire fucking global stock market into a fucking tailspin around mm-hmm. just because now there's a coordination layer like that's yeah. the thing is that like there was no coordination layer uh, that was sufficient enough to stop COVID from uh, becoming a global pandemic. But pe- fucking a bunch of idiots on the internet can create billions of dollars of fucking value with by using Reddit as a coordination layer for financial systems. So I think that's where crypto comes in is like, people are just like, oh, like we can do this. Like you, yeah. like, you guys don't know anything that we don't. And thank yeah. you for all the trillions of dollars of stimulus. Now that we can just fucking play on our little hilarious check, checkerboard that is come rocket, that is shib, that is doge. Like, I think so. I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, it was just like, like the, everything was there and people had a lot of time on their hands. And then the government was just like, here, play with this fucking monopoly money. Like, let's see what happens. Yeah. 
ultimately we're not we haven't even begun to see how you know when the how the pendulum is going to swing in the opposite direction which it fucking will like i mean we're obviously yeah. like inflation's at the on the tip of everybody's tongue right now we haven't even begun to see fucking like hyperinflation yet i do think we will yeah, um I, so I, I basically think the dollar is going to zero i'm kind of a pessimist um i hope that's not the case but hopefully um not. hopefully like, not but i don't really like can you yeah. stop can they stop like can yeah. they i mean they've gone so far i don't know if we can stop Guys, I don't, I don't mean to, um, to cut this off because, like, I have like literally two or three pages of questions. Um, <laughs> I, I really do, and I like, I'm asking openly, like, I want you to come back in a couple months. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. Because I think we can dive way deeper into just even audience too. Like, I think, I think we can talk a lot more about um, why artists and artist community need to care about this managers right like why like internal teams need to care about all of this mm. um and i just want to dive in more but i apologize i gotta i gotta jump for something it's okay um, I got, and this is like there's gonna be content comes out of this and oh, like just the shit was, you're saying that i didn't even think we would be able to take and like give to people two. yeah yeah totally i mean we can add this into two episodes too or, or yeah, we can take two two interviews or whatever and and make one episode i I definitely got real real out there but that's how no there's a lot of good stuff and i'm reading my questions and i'm like they can't go unanswered so i would love to have you back and i apologize um that i gotta jump no it's all good yeah let's do let's do it again very soon all right cool i appreciate y'all yeah Yeah, take it easy guys peace have have a great weekend bye you too